Welcome to Lemmy Works, brought to you by Leadership Education Mentoring Institute. We are inspiring parents, mentors, and communities as they embark on the journey of transformational project-based education. Hi, this is Tatiana Fallon. Hi, this is Heidi Christensen. We're so excited to be your hosts. Welcome, everybody. We have Amy Bowler with us today. Very excited to speak with Amy. She's been a great friend of mine and a good mentor for me and a phenomenal leader in the leadership education world. Amy, could you just take a little bit and explain or introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your history, got you into homeschooling and leadership education? Yes. So I have been homeschooling, I think I usually say since the dawn of time, because it's been a lot of years or, or forever and ever and ever, but a lot of years, because we have seven kids and our oldest is 30 and 30 or 30. I can't even remember how old he is because it's, he's that old. <laughs> anyway, we've been, and I've homeschooled him from the very beginning, but not, I didn't understand about Thomas Jefferson education or Lemmy. So I was just kind of doing what I felt was right, kind of going with my study. It was not popular at the time by any means. Um, there were a lot of different things out there that I read. I remember going to conferences and just being so overwhelmed. Um, but I have a childhood friend and her name is Tiffany Earl. <laughs> so that was, uh, <laughs> so I think I was, my oldest was 11. And she called me out of the blue uh, because she had heard, I think from her mom, through my mom, that I was homeschooling. And she's like, I, I actually support homeschool families and you should come to this training that my company has this summer and we teach you how to teach these classes to kids. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. And she introduced me to Thomas Jefferson Education at the same time, which the book wasn't even published yet. It was like a pamphlet. And so I, she connected me with that. I read that and was like, oh my goodness, this is exactly what I've been trying to do in my home by myself all the time. Um, I, the book that was probably most formative to me when I was a young homeschooling, well, before I even started homeschooling, right before I had my first child was when I was, I got my degree in elementary education at BYU. And so I read Neil Flinders' Teach the Children. Have you guys read that book? Ah, oh, I love it. Super, super good. Teach the Children. It's also sometimes, I think the, the byline underneath it is agency education. So his whole thing is just giving the kid its agency um and also he talks a lot in there about our stewardship as parents that we have the greatest stewardship over our children and that we have really a call from god to teach them and that's that's kind of his impetus so i really loved that book and then when i read oliver DeMille's manuscript i was like yes and then finally was able to go to the first Lemmy training, kind of that all of that kind of happened at the same time for me. And I was just blown away and super, super excited and had, let's see, my oldest was 13 at the time. And then the next oldest was 12, maybe 11 and a half, 11 and a half and taught those to Shakespeare in my local library. And 
I was not a Shakespeare expert by any means, and I was not a theater person and was not, am not a theater person. I can't believe I, Shakespeare was just the, the thing that um, our community needed. And so that's what I did. And it was fantastic. We did a play with eight. There were seven boys and one girl. <laughs> And my two younger kids, my younger daughter, who was eight years old at the time, she played the second girl. We did uh, Taming of the Shrew because there's you don't need as many girls for that one. Anyway, such a cool, cool experience, but so crazy, so crazy, the things and just all on my own. I love that you started with Shakespeare because it really kind of illustrates to, you know, those listening the type of personality you are because it's like oh you know what I don't know how to do this and it's going to be really hard but I'm going to do it <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah not not a Shakespeare person <laughs> it's it's fun to like as you meet Lemmy mentors that are Shakespeare like they're you know this is their niche and then those who are this is not their niche but they're just doing it for their kids and it's just fun to see like the different dynamics that come because like Shakespeare that is not my niche, but that is what I'm teaching. And every time I have to like act, I'm just like <laughs> so uncomfortable, you know. <sighs> but but my community needs it, and and so like I'll teach this because you know that's kind of the same thing. It's like my community needs this, and it's like okay, I'll I'll do this. I'll be the one that's really uncomfortable. I'd much rather teach like keep a bit of your sort of freedom. Oh yeah, anyway. oh yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Like let's just let's just read and talk about what we read, guys. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay on that though do you have a favorite project that you've taught because no. you've taught every project right I mean I think I have taught every project I haven't taught classical acting um that I think is the only project I haven't taught but I I usually say my favorite project is the one I'm teaching right now which right now I'm teaching quest my husband Kent and I were teaching quest and we have taught all this is our fifth time teaching quest so We've taught all of our kids. This is our fifth child of our own that we're teaching Quest to. So we've we have taught it the most times. Um, so I love I I love as I was um, as I was just pondering over kind of my history with Lemmy over the past uh, few days. I've been thinking about it, and I really love to see the transition times. I love those beginning projects like Key and Shakespeare when you're transitioning to scholar, and then the transition that you go from practice practice to apprentice in quest i love to see that and then edison with the transition to self-directed so you know it's hard to say there's a favorite one because i just really really love them but i love to see there there's such a change that the students go through when they go from i'm also teaching a scholar skills class right now in my um smaller community and that one they're transitioning to become practice scholars and so it's a really it's fun to see them really make massive changes that you see in in those projects i'd love to see when the child starts realizing oh wow i am a individual that has choices and i can make those choices and and then i you know I, there's consequences to those choices and like get excited about their life and where they can take them and waking up to themselves kind of like emerging from Plato's cave, you know, like yes. seeing the shadows and be like, whoa, there's shadows on the wall. And then like, okay, there's like, let's find this truth. That's really probably, I think, one of the most rewarding um, things about being a mentor. Because like, sometimes you feel like we're in this cave for way too long and I can't get them out. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. Yeah. We, um, we just started teaching when we started quest in the fall, this past time, which we've taught it so many times. So you think like, oh, we've got it down. No problem. We were really struggling to connect with the students and to have good conversations in our class, to have good discussions and to that was, it was kind of a struggle that they were doing the work, but in class, it was very quiet and we weren't getting a lot of interaction and we really wanted that and knew that that was a key thing. I think it's key in every project. We've got to have that discussion. And I think that's one thing in multiple schools and different mentoring that I've done. That is it's something that as mentors, it can be a struggle is getting that classroom environment in a place where the students feel comfortable and confident enough to make a comment that may not be right or may not be smart enough or um or or whatever it is and that 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 takes some work and every class is different every the dynamics of it and and what you're teaching but just getting to the place and with our quest class we i think there was kind of a combination of things one of them was um one of them was just us realizing that that there was a disconnect and working hard to you know talk to other mentors talk to parents of the students and just really make an effort to to figure out what was missing and then it was bringing in food so we started we started bringing in um food having to do with the books that we were discussing and um i think our first one that we did that on was gandhi and we brought a we and taking away the tables we took away the tables um even though they're doing blue books toward the end of class when they did their blue books we'd bring the tables back so they could write but for the beginning of class we took away the tables and we even took the chairs away for gandhi and we just sat on blankets and we ate indian food and we listened to indian music and we talked about gandhi and that was kind of this breakthrough because then it was like okay we're with them we were on just with them on the blanket and we could talk about gandhi and it was cool well, that's yeah. awesome that is awesome i i totally agree that sometimes that food is just a great opener i am uh, mentoring key of liberty right now and every time we have a colloquium they know okay mrs christensen's bringing us food and it's it's just a way i mean their mouth is moving they might as well have sound coming out of it yep yeah, so good. So good. And I, I mean, I think more than anything, just associating having a discussion with it, that it's a fun thing. It's a pleasing thing. It's a it's a delicious thing. You know, it's something it's that is it can be an awesome experience. And, it, um, you know, so if you put the food that they already associate with goodness with the book discussion or the other kind of discussion that they associate with goodness and yeah, then, it's it's that whole comfort thing too. I mean, yeah. they're being fed intellectually mm -hmm. and physically yeah. and yeah, it is. I know I, in my, when I was mentoring quest, I did the same thing and, you know, we would feed them constantly. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they loved it. They loved yeah. it. And they knew that they knew that we loved them. So such a huge thing. I, I think the other thing with the Indian food, I am also so I'm we're going into what I'm not I am not a 
theatrical person. I'm not a Shakespeare person. I'm also not a cook. That is like food. We are like, we, we whip it out. We eat in our, we do eat in our family, but it's just like as fast as it can go, let's go, let's get on to reading books. And so, so this Indian food, like I made Indian food from scratch, which I have never made before. I actually had to borrow some spices from my neighbor because I didn't even have these Indian spices because I've never made it. I like to eat it, but I hadn't made it myself. And so that was kind of another thing too, that it was a labor of love that I was like, you guys, I made this. Look at this pot. It's like butter, chicken, something. <laughs> it, was, it was tasty. And, but it was, yeah, like a, some kind of outpouring of showing them that we love them. And it's such a huge thing. I was reading a book called Bittersweet. Um, and in there it talks about how there has to be an exchange between people in order for there to be community. And we need community to exist so that we can get through the, the things in life that are difficult that help us like do these hard things. And um, we, so like when we choose to serve our students in simple acts of like giving food or, or doing something like that for them, like we are, you know, we're serving them. And then, and then that's where the reciprocal relationship happens. And I think that's the, the one of the hardest parts that people have when transitioning from like more of the conveyor belt education type to the leadership education type is that in my role as an instructor now becomes a mentor and as a mentor this is a relationship it's not um authority and and like it's not that kind of relationship it's an it's a relationship of of friends and and you know come follow me kind of idea but the, you know, but we come to it thinking, oh, I can show up with the same idea of like, I'm the instructor, so you should, you should follow or you should listen or you should play along. Yeah. But it, it's that's, if you do show up that way, I think you do risk your having it mostly be you, right? Like, and I have this problem too. I've been mentoring for years and there's oftentimes where I'll have like, why is my discussions not going well? I'm like, oh, I'm having way too much of authority. When I show up, I'm too intense, I'm too passionate, I'm too excited. I need to scale that back so I don't, so I can be more engaging, more of like, let's learn, you know, like that kind of attitude. And so yeah. I really love, because I, I know lots of people have come up to me and been like, I can't get the kids to talk in colloquiums. Yeah. I can't get this to happen. So I'm really yeah. glad you brought that up because it's a big problem. <laughs> it's a huge, yeah, it's a huge, huge thing. And I think this, this generation that we have coming up now, even more than in past years, wants to wants to please and wants to do what the teacher wants them to do which feels super great as a teacher oh they're following me they love my class they're so quiet but yeah that authority i really i really like that yeah being aware of um because yeah we don't want like complete chaos and where they the learning can't happen there's you know there's a balance in there but yeah having them be engaged that's that's what it's about <laughs> So you've taught every single project and obviously your favorite project is whatever you're teaching, but where have you seen the most growth in yourself? You feel like, like what, which project has really stretched you or made you grow? I know that's kind of hard to ask mm -hmm. because it's been, you've taught all of them and so yes. long ago. <laughs> like, so, so many years. And I mean, the cool things about, 
about these projects is they are every project is based on classics and classics are such that you read them again and you gain something from them and so that is a cool thing like literally i'm teaching quest for the fifth time we do a little bit different books every time but a lot of the books are the same which means we've read those i just finished reading the chosen by heim potok and it's like i learned something new like really cool things from this time that I read it, even though I read it so many times. So I think probably I grew the most at the very, very beginning um, when I was first teaching Shakespeare, first teaching Key of Liberty. Those are the first two projects I taught. Just just a learning curve. I mean, it was exponential. I had I had gone through conveyor belt high school, like valedictorian kind of like competitive conveyor belt in high school super competitive east coast like headed toward ivy league um and like scholarships and try to get perfect act score like those kinds of things in my high school experience and so i had learned a lot and i did learn a lot and i liked learning but i starting to teach those projects i was like wow first of all my knowledge base was very lacking there was a lot that i didn't know because i hadn't read very many classics i had read a lot of textbooks and so that was a huge learning curve for me just starting to read a lot of classics i'd read literature classics but not classics in other areas and it was still pretty sparse with the with the literature classics anyway so that i probably grew the most knowledge knowledge base but then also um probably grew the most um not necessarily teaching project but being in leadership in a school starting a school that's where that's where the real growth happened in um just as it's hard it's you know working with other people because there's people people involved <laughs> and we don't ag always agree <laughs> i know i love that you made that up i i was talking to um my mom about um why why we go to church because you know lots of my generation a lot of millennials just don't go to church and, and that's their choice right but i was talking to my mom and the church i serve in asks for leader for you to serve right yeah and uh, and for you to have leadership and it's so hard to like when you're in leadership and you're like wait, I have to work with this person like and every single week, like <laughs> I have to deal with this drama. I'm not like, I don't, why? This doesn't make any sense, you know? And so I was talking to my mom about that and she was like, well, you know, Jesus wants us to become like him, but if we're not put in situations that kind of force us to become like him, we're not gonna choose to become like him on our own. <laughs> no, no, we are like, we're always gonna choose the easier thing. Yeah. And the more comfortable and and the the best friend that we totally mesh with and that doesn't rub us the wrong way or doesn't say rude things about our kids or blah 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 whatever. yeah yeah but, but as, as i've served in different capacities and in commonwealths and different things i feel like it's it's so it's so amazing to look back and be like i formed a beautiful relationship with this person that normally i probably wouldn't have right oh, just yeah. because we don't necessarily click or have the same things in common, but now we have a great friendship and it's built on something that's stronger. And I feel a lot of love and a lot of support from this person that I wouldn't have had if I hadn't have 
<laughs> yeah. volunteered to be in a very uncomfortable position, right? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, e extraordinary for sure. No, my very closest friends are the people that are in my community that I'm connecting with on a weekly basis. And we, you get close because you know each other's children, which, and you know each other's strengths and weaknesses. And, um, and that's, there's opportunity for, for pain with that, but opportunity for so much service, so much growth. And for our, I mean, I feel like all of my children have been so richly blessed by the families that they've been able to rub shoulders with and the, the mentors that they've had outside of our family and that have built them up, the friendships that they've developed with other people's kids that have just really strengthened them. Just so amazing. It, it's, it's really miraculous. I, I just, I can't even, I, I can't even explain to people that haven't been a part of a Lemmy community before what it's like, um, because it is, it's like you become family with each other. And, and it's really, you know, kind of going back to Hillary Clinton's the village idea. It really is that it is, it is this village because you're not just, you're not just teaching a class or sending your child to a class, but you are helping each other to strengthen your own family as, as moms and dads helping each other with the things that are hard and then helping each of these youth who are having their own journey and and raising each other's you know helping each other to raise their kids it's so cool yeah you the whole idea of the parents being involved i think is integral to leadership education and that is one concept that i think especially right now, we have so many people that are new to homeschooling who see what is happening in these library communities, these commonwealths. They want that for their kids, but they don't get that concept that they don't understand what, you know, why they need to be so involved. Yeah. 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 And, and that, that involvement is, yes, it's going to take time but it is worth every second and every ounce of sacrifice that you put into mentoring a class or serving on a board or being an assistant or even even serving in a in a nursery situation while other people are mentoring i mean all of that um you are just you're going to learn so much and 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 for me it's being a mentor, so many benefits. I mean, all of the educational benefits, my children seeing me gain my own scholar education, um, even though I had you know, college degree and other things, really on leadership path, gaining a liberal arts education, and then getting to mentor your kids' friends, that is a really, really cool experience. Um, getting to, you get to see your kids in a different light. Um, and uh, I mean, just so, so many things, it really, it changes the whole, has the, has the potential to change the environment in your home and just raise, raise that, raise it up. But it, you know, it's raised up by the people that are around you. And, and if you feel like the people around you aren't, you know, aren't at the level where you want them to be, then, um, you be that leader that says, okay, let's, let's bring us up let's let's read a book together that's going to be inspiring and and see how we change i'm glad that you put that like let's read a book together because i think some people 
don't understand, okay, so how do I, how do I get this to happen? Like, how do I create this community for my, my, I can have mentors for my kids. And I think it really is that simple of let's just start engaging in these great classics, Yeah. you know, and let's start just opening up these books. Like um, when my husband and I take turns reading to the girls at bed. And so like, he'll, he'll pick a book and read it and then I'll pick a book and read it. And then that's how we get extra fun reads in, you know, besides what we're doing for school. And so I started reading, um, summer of the monkeys with the kids. Right. And my, I remember I read that book with my mom and she would read it to us all the time. And as we're reading it and we're talking about it and we're, we're doing these things, like I can see, um, the, the family had like a rough start, right? You know, they were sharecrop um, farmers and, and they saved every penny. And, you know, we've recently gone through some family trials where my husband was laid off. And so we're kind of like in a situation that's really stressful for the kids. And as they're listening to this, they're like, oh, these, these, these families just worked together and they figured it out and they were okay. And, and so it was like very healing for my kids to experience this classic, right? I mean, we're just like chapter one. And it's so it, it when you put the classics and into people's hands, yeah. um, it changes them because it, it's, it's, it's truth and it's truth in, in a story format, which is how we actually um, are biologically hardwired to think. We think in stories, we think in imagery, we think in these ways. So the classics really are what works to like, you know, so if you're like, I'm struggling to build a community, let's just start a book club where we actually just read classics, not, not what people want, like on the New York bestseller book list. No classics. Yeah. Start with those awkward things like Jane Eyre or like, like, you know, those classic books that really get us changed, really change us. Yeah. So, so powerful. Yeah. Just one of my, Quest students this past week and his, they give speeches every week, these like eight to 10 minute speeches about a person, the biography that they read. And he's starting out second semester and he's talking about how I want to be this kind of person because of these people that I've read about. I want to become like these. And actually biographies are now my favorite kinds of books. And this young man coming into Quest, he was he was standoffish. He was a football player and he was there 50% because his mom wanted him to be there and books, reading books at all was a struggle and not a fun thing for him. And now he's standing up and sharing with his peers, how not only have books changed him, but he wants to become like these people and he wants to read more biographies. He wants to learn about more people and just, so so cool to see that love it we're interrupting this broadcast to invite you to ask questions or share your epiphanies in the comment section and if you're enjoying this podcast please consider leaving us a good review on the platform you are using because that really helps others find our content also check out our website at lemmymentortraining.com so how would you, what, what advice would you give to like a family just starting out into leadership education? That is such a great question. <laughs> and 
No, the first, the first thing I say, and we really, we, we cover so much of this in family foundations. And so I, I definitely have to put a plug in for family foundations because that it was designed to help the beginning family understand and to bring their family to a place where you all understand the principles. And so I, so I would say family foundations is an awesome place and I'll share some of the principles that we share in there. And the first is to gain a vision that what, why is it that you're doing this? Why are you on this path? Um, and, and what is it that the end result is that you're going for? I think it's important for us as parents, I'm doing this because what i really don't like this but what's in i think a lot of times might leave uh, the public system because we don't like something which is a great impetus but you've got to have a positive reason why is it and what is it that you see for your children what's and what is it that you see for your family um and and you may not even think what do i see for myself but if you have the energy to go there think about that too um and so having this strong strong purpose strong why it's your vision. Um, and that's, that's like one of the main things of Lemmy's V mask is vision, but it's so, so important to know why it is you're doing what you're doing, because it's going to be hard. Anything you do that's worth doing is going to be hard. And if you don't know why you're doing it, then when it gets hard, it's just going to be like, uh, never mind. I, I mean, I like my friend's not doing it anymore. And so I, I'm done. Or my, my 12 year old doesn't want to do the, doesn't want to learn about the Declaration of Independence anymore because it's tricky and there's hard words in there. And so I think I'm done because my house is a mess and blah, you know, all of that. And so you got to know your purpose. Um, and then the second thing is be patient with yourself and with your kids and really focus on seeing the good that is happening. It's so natural. We have negativity bias in our brain and it's so natural to just see what is not going good. Oh my goodness. They just, they hate math. They're behind. They're blah, blah, blah. I'm so stressed. I'm overwhelmed. You know, it's easy to see that negativity, but look at the positive. Oh my goodness. My two kids, they're sitting down together. They're playing a game together in the middle of the day. My teenage son sat down to help explain something about physics to his eight-year-old brother. You know, those, those kinds of things don't lose track of those moments that are powerful and that transcend any test academically they're ever going to do. Those relationships in your family, but also uh, it's not just that relationship. That's about your child becoming becoming these people that for me that's why i do it because i want my children to become like these people that we're reading about these people who have the capacity to influence the world for good for the right reasons and and sometimes that influence for good is going to be in in a way like you read in laddie in a family situation where they are going to be this incredible parent who loves and cherishes their child and sees the very best in them. That's why I do what I do. And I have to remember that when I'm in the middle of teaching my eight-year-old his addition facts, which he should have known two years ago, and he still doesn't quite understand it. That's okay. He got so excited today watching this experiment with the 
I don't completely even understand it. Tin interacting in a way with the solution in his petri dish, you know, whatever he was excited about today that, um, so seeing, seeing that good, seeing the good that is happening in your family and, and with the schooling too, it's, it is there. I promise you it's there. And, um, and if you take a minute to notice it and even go one step further and write it down even better, um, and, and see the good that you're doing too and and that it's that it's real um and don't stress about the the standards just about whether they're on track or not whether they're behind or ahead having um uh, yeah my fifth child be through quest you know four kids be adults and go through lemmy projects i see that you know kind of see the other end of it and you see with this perspective that what matters is is who they become and that they feel empowered to become um, who they want to be. It's not who I want them to be, but who they want to be and they and that they have the tools to learn, to discover, to to fail, and that it's okay and that you can get back up again. Try something else. One of my sons, I think, is on his one, two, three, third or fourth um, career path right now. And, and you might look at that and be like, well, that's super lame. If only he had gone to public school, he would have been more direct and blah, blah, blah. And I look at that and especially talking with him and say, you know, he's like this last one, he owned his own restaurant. He and his wife owned a restaurant. Of course, they opened it right before COVID, which no one knew COVID was going to come. But <laughs> they went through two years of grueling work to make this restaurant work and decided finally to change careers and that that wasn't for them but he's like mom you would not believe what i learned in that process i learned things that i would never have learned in my previous career or in the next career that i'm that i'm working on now and and it's brought me to this place and i'm a better father and i'm a better husband and um and i understand people better and i mean just so so cool and i and i think i mean because this education system it's the way we raise our children and so of course, it's made him who he is today because of because it's the way we raise them. Because it's not our education isn't it's connected with our life. It's not dis, it's not disconnected. I just had an epiphany. I've I was listening, like I said, I was listening to the Bittersweet book, and she talked yeah. about this. There's a shift that happened in America where goodness was you were only good when you were wealthy or successful, like. Mm -hmm. It was a shift like happened in like the 1850s and, and something like that where I, I don't know historically if i agree everything what she was saying i mean she has some good points i think she took to a, a little bit of extreme but i do see like when you think about someone who is successful or wealthy then you're like oh they succeeded they they achieved life's great achievement right and and then we're like oh let's all strive to become like this person right and um she said the problem is is that 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 wealth is is not necessarily yes there's principles of wealth and yes there's things that are involved with it but so much of it happens to be luck i mean if your son would have started his business two years earlier it would have been founded and he could have done you know like the, he there's so much things that are without your total control and she said but what happened when like the when the depression hit they got this idea that people who lost their jobs were losers even though it was a global recession that they had no control over 
but then it translated into the psyche of like if i you know i am a loser i'm a person without worth because i haven't cracked the code of being a millionaire right and so the she goes a different path with it but the epiphany that i had was um in in the hebrew faith and you know especially in isaiah it talks about these peaks and valleys that we that you know you're in the valley and then you're on the peak and then you're in the valley and what can you see from the peak and what can you see from the valley right and i think you know the real reason why i love leadership education is we pull the kids through those peaks and valleys on a macro level and then we show them peaks and valleys on a micro like on a, on a mac we push them on a, a micro level and then show them on a macro level with the classics they read with the things they're doing and we really help them see like whoa my life is going to be full of these peaks and valleys and we set them up for success because success isn't necessarily gaining a ton of material wealth and things and all this awesomeness like success to me like you know i wouldn't say my father is the wealthiest man in the world he has provided for his children well and takes care of his needs and been wise but i would say in my opinion he is an extremely successful man all of his children deeply love and admire him all of his children love to be with him talk with him and just be in his presence his grandchildren worship him they love him they think he's the best thing on the planet that to me is a very successful man yeah. Well, the influence that he has in their lives, that's, uh, you can't measure that worth and the value to a child, even to a grandchild, even to a spouse, you know, any, any interaction that's, that's just beautiful. I love it. Yeah, I think it, with leadership education, one of the powerful things about it is its focus on mission or, or purpose and how every person has this within them that that genius that they are here to share with the world yeah and that makes it just that much more powerful for each person you know you go out and you find this and you live it and right grow from it right right and when you think about each person being a genius i think of louis lamour and his autobiography and he shares about his life and all of the people that he learned from, from the homeless person on the street to the beggar at the bus stop, wherever he went, he was learning from people. And that allowed him to have this wealth of education. You know, it, it added to him. He saw that they were a genius. Otherwise, why would he want to talk to them? Because they're just, they're a bum. They haven't, they don't have wealth. They're not successful. And so they, they can't teach me anything, but that's yeah we i mean we know that's that it's not true but it still goes against prevailing culture i mean it's still like there's especially with our social media you know it's like the the famous people the popular people yeah today today it's maybe uh not just wealth but it's also you know the number of likes and followers and all of that you know how many views on your youtube channel those kinds of things which does equate to money eventually maybe but but yeah it's just a similar kind of a thing yeah i really like that we've had this discussion though because i think setting your expectation of why you're choosing to homeschool is just crucial and especially like just I like what you said earlier about how like lots of people do it because like I well it can't be worse than this right 
but it's it, you can only go so far with the antecedent and you're like you really do have to create like why am i doing this and what am i what is my main goal yeah and and i think like looking back on my parents and you know all of us were homeschooled and um and really what was their main goal <laughs> and maybe my parents are like a little bit frustrated right now because some of us have chosen different life courses than they would have wanted us for us but <laughs> They really like, you know, they brought it on out themselves because they really taught us how to think and, and engage and find truth yeah. and learn and grow. And so I, I would definitely I would say like all my siblings, even though they might not all be in different parts of life, I would say they're all successful because they're all doing what they innately love. Like, honestly, that's like, really cool, which is very unique. You know, like yeah. it's very unique to, to see that. And, um, you know, and, and they're they all struggle different ways but it's like that if that's your goal is like for my child to have a fulfilling life a really full life yeah then you know it doesn't matter right now if they're eight and they can't do their subtraction and adding you know like that doesn't matter like because i need them to have a good relationship with learning that's yeah. what do we need to have yeah yeah so cool so um you and your husband also run a business can we you do. tell us a little bit about that yeah yeah it's called revolutionary families and it really has been kind of an outgrowth of being lemmy trainers for so many years and having a chance to mentor youth and and seeing that we we love that we love mentoring we love mentoring one-on-one -on -one with youth but also we love mentoring parents and and helping them i think the one of the main things that we do is to help parents to remember that what they're doing is so important and it is it's it's vital and it's um the hardest job in the world and yet the very most important and that and, and to remember the good that they're doing kind of what I talked about before and so so we do a lot of coaching with parents and also teaching teaching classes but helping parents to to see the vision of where they're going what they want to create for their family and and what we have found over the years of teaching parents is that 80% of our raising of our children is us as parents working on our heart healing our hurts healing our struggles and working on ourselves which is similar to leadership education you know working on your own education you not them it's very much that percentage that that principle and so about 80 percent of what we teach is is healing our hearts in struggle situations with especially teenagers is what we're mostly mostly coach with so so that kind of healing um to the point where you see okay your child is having some rolling eyes or just giving some maybe disrespectful back back talk to you you know or just like ah oh, mom you don't understand you know those kinds of things which is a i'd say a pretty mild mild typical teenage behavior yeah oh yeah or oh you just don't understand and just walk away no those that kind of a to to look at that situation and say okay that that kind of thing is going to happen with our teenager and so what what can i do as a parent where what's my role in that situation and how can i help because 
that's what we care. That's why we're here to be their parents is we want to help them. And it's so, so, I mean, it just goes hand in hand, in hand with Lemmy and all the stuff we've been teaching for so long is, is that we, you know, we look at what can we do to help. And so, and almost always the, the thing to do is to make sure that our heart is in the right place, that we are calm and we're feeling love toward them so that we can have an interaction with them that's going to be positive and helpful instead of more damaging and bringing them down and they already feel bad which is why they're lashing out and and see that they're struggling too and and get to that place and then the other so so individual reaction interactions and then the other thing which really ties into lemmy as well is is the idea of connecting as a family and how important that is and and it's it, it's all related but connecting um on a on a daily basis um connecting relationship wise and when we have a strong relationship with our kids then we can have influence over them and and we can enrich their lives and the cool thing is they enrich our lives too in extraordinary ways and and then there's you know then there's that 20 percent where yes we can start to influence them to make some changes to make some improvements in the way they're doing things uh, but it's really about being a mentor as a parent all the time and so that's really what we've what we've kind of our mission, what we've gained over the past few years is that our our call is to help parents, um, parents of good families, um, because we know what it's like to, to be good parents and still have kids who struggle, still have teenagers who struggle. And, and we also know that it is harder today to be a parent than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, it is, it's just a lot harder and we can look at, you know, all kinds of suicide and anxiety stats um, of that but i think we all can just agree that that that's the, how it is and that parents need support and and we don't have to do it alone um and also that that you're you're doing great every single parent you're still there you're still in the game you're still showing up every day you may feel like ah but i blew it yeah it's okay we all blow it we do our kids are they're going to be okay because we're getting back up we're staying we're staying we're still there we're we're getting back up and and so that's that's the other thing is encouragement because we all need we all need that encouragement and support to know that it's okay even though they said you're the worst mom ever it doesn't it's not true <laughs> i guarantee you're not the worst mom ever you you're doing amazing things and um it's just it's super super cool for kent and i to get to work together and get to support families and help them get connected as a family and find joy and peace in their home that is super amazing i think that's powerful that you start with with the heart because i mean scripturally you know the hearts of the children shall turn to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers turn to the children, right? Like there is, I, they're actually finding like there is biological and DNA, emotional DNA passed down to, to our generations and that we've inherited, right? So it's like, you really have to be, okay, what, what am I passing down and what do I need to like pass down that's healthy and good? Yeah. And like, what do I need to like, uh, you know, choose to stop here yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you know generationally you know to stop this and yeah. really does like a lot of self-reflecting like you know why am I getting so frustrated with this child and yeah. let's start with me and it was interesting because like you know I was I was 
counseling a, a good friend of mine about some not counseling just discussing with them about some of different trials and relationships that have in their life and i was like here's the thing the only thing you can change is you it's yeah. literally the only thing you can change yeah. as much as you want to change some, your child yeah <laughs> you yeah. can't like like no. you can put it like environments or do all these things but yeah. you can't force them to do anything right. like you you really can't so work on you like work really hard on you work yeah. really really hard on you yeah and and then just choose to 100 love them and see what happens just see what happens yeah oh and i mean i could tell you story after story after story like in a very short amount of time of changing things in their environment and changing parents heart even just seeing the good makes a difference in the child's behavior very mm -hmm. very quickly and not because you're making them most things that we teach not even telling the child that you're doing anything different it's just it they can feel it yeah yeah it's crazy because it's like how come they're changing and it's like because it's magic <laughs> yeah yeah it it really is it really is it's super cool super cool uh thanks for sharing that tati Hey, before we end, I want to take us back to Family Foundations. Oh, yeah. You know, Family Foundations, you know, when somebody looks at it on our website, it can be a little bit confusing. Okay, what do I sign up for? And yeah. what is the difference between them? And could you talk a little bit about that? Yes, yes, I, I would love to. And um, so, so basically, Family Foundations has two parts. So in the ideal, the two parts are combined together, but they could be separate. So I'll explain the two parts and then kind of how they mesh together. So the one part is a traditional Lemmy class, but it's for parents. And so it's designed to be a weekly or every other week class that you go to this family foundations class. And so as a, if you want to be trained to be a Lemmy trained mentor, you would go to Lemmy training, and then you would get the Family Foundations training, and then you could come back to your community and teach them Family Foundations. And the cool thing, it's an incredible class where we, we give you examples of classics to read with your class and activities to do, simulations to do. Um, and then they go home, and then here comes the second part. Then, then ideally, they also get a family foundations membership that allows them access to the lessons that they then go home and work on during the week and they're super short just a little video um kathy malore and i work together making those videos and then there's questions that you apply after you watch that video it gives you a principle and then you answer those questions and it becomes your family journal your family foundations journal because you get a resource with those answers but those questions and answers relate to what you were doing in class with your family foundations that week with your peers with the other moms and dads in your class in your community but you go home and now you apply it very specifically to your family what is a struggle you're having right now with your family abilities what are some of the abilities that you're you see a real disconnect you know uh, just some problems what are they pick one child and one ability you'd like to help them strengthen and we actually direct you to really making some some lasting changes in your family 
right now, this week. And that's what that membership is. That's super, super um, exponentially increasing the, the benefit that you're going to get from just taking a class. So in the class, you're reading the books together and you're um, doing activities and really, really powerful because you get that community. But ideally, if everybody's actually doing the membership lessons each during the week, then you come back and you talk about, oh my goodness, I realized what I thought was my child is just hates his little brother. It's actually this ability that they're not understanding that they have this or, you know, you're just, you're gaining these epiphanies that are really helping you in your family. And, and at the same time, the really cool thing that, like I mentioned before, that Family Foundations is designed to help you understand all of the, the V mask from Lemmy, which is vision, mission, abilities, skills, and knowledge. And so each month there's a different focus so that you really can delve deeply into that area and really understand. And also we've incorporated um, the things that you learn in every one of the Lemmy projects. And so even it really in a year's time, you can get this sampling of all of the Lemmy projects because we bring in simulations, we bring in document study, we bring in group discussion, we bring in uh, writing papers, um, not a lot, but a little bit. It's basically at a practice scholar level um, for the parents taking the class that's in your community. Um, so, but, but it's really, really cool to see, we'll actually take an actual activity that you might do in Pyramid and now we'll do it as moms. And I know so many moms in our community are like, that sounds like such a cool class, I wanna take it. And so, you know, there's there's been times when we've taught adult versions of the different classes, but this is kind of like a little sampling of all the Lemmy classes within one family foundations. But the goal of it is to strengthen your family, which I know for our community, the goal of our community is to strengthen our families individually and as a, as a group, as a community. And so, that's what Family Foundations was created for, was for you to have a weekly or every other week class for the adults that strengthens them. And then they go home with the membership and look at how it can strengthen their specific family. That's awesome. Now, it, the weekly ones, they can be done separately as well yes oh thank you heidi yeah yes so if you maybe you're not in a community that is doing family foundations as a class um maybe there isn't time for it the logistics or whatever you can always just sign up to do those membership lessons and i know lots of families who have done that and have had a great experience because it's all that is individualized and you are you're going through just for your family you're looking at What's this principle? I know one of the things that we talk about, um, I'm, I'm remembering, uh, we talk about culture, the idea of culture in your family. I remember for that video, we were, I, I got in my pool with a kayak and my kids love to make fun of this video because it's like this iconic, they remember me doing this video. I'm like pretending like I'm rowing down a river because I talk about how culture is this strong river. And so many times we're going against it with the current. And, you know, so I'm like rowing in my pool, which of course has no current, but, <laughs> but anyway, we, you know, we try to bring in these object lessons in the videos to help you understand the principle. And so, so we'll really delve deeply into, um, to, into things that families are facing and, and culture is one of them, you know, having, having boundaries in your home is another thing 
thinking, um, I remember back to the pool again, we have like this multiple lock system. We have a, a lock on our outside gate of the pool. And then there's a lock inside that you unlock so that you can open the pool cover. So you have to have two different keys to get in. And that's kind of just an analogy for something in our families that we want to make sure that we are protecting our families and and being the gatekeepers of what's coming into our home. So that's especially when they're younger. So that is another cool thing about family foundations is um, a lot of the I mean, the Lemmy projects are designed for scholars that are older. But you can start this when you have kids that are younger, especially family foundations, because these we apply the principles like colloquium, we apply it to younger kids. Maybe you have a five-year-old, you could totally do colloquium. Three-year-old even, they can talk, they can listen, they're in it. And even document study, you could do that for younger kids too. So it's 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 really fun. And it was fun. We had such a great time thinking of, ah, oh, how does this principle apply? to a family with little kids. And it's a it's a little different situation, but um, it's really cool. It's really cool. It sounds amazing. I know um, I've, I've looked at a few of them and they're so thought provoking and going through the, the um, like worksheets, just answering those questions really, helps you think about what you're doing in your family and how you can do things differently um you know and what you're doing thing, doing right and just right. putting it down is is yeah. so powerful you know yeah. thinking about oh i guess i'm doing that right yeah i need to do more of that and that that was a win yeah so. yeah we do a lot of choose a child that might be struggling with this and then kind of walk you through how would you help them improve that area in their life um, and how can you improve too? But we try to keep them all the videos less than 10 minutes. And then there's, I think, no more than three or four questions after every video. So it is not lengthy. We know that all of us are busy. And so it's something that you can do in just a short, short time period, not more than 20, 30 minutes in a week. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, we are pretty much out of time talking. No. Is there anything else that you wanted to share or ask? Just want to say thank you for all of your years of mentoring and work. They've been really blessed in my life and, and really grateful for everything you've given and helped with, with Lemmy. It's been amazing. Uh, yes. Thanks. Thanks, Tati. And thanks, Heidi. I, I feel, I feel the same way. I would, I would not be who I am today without Lemmy. I, my family wouldn't be who they are. And um, yeah, very, very grateful for the true principles that we've learned and that are a part of me now. That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks guys. Thanks for spreading the, the great, the great news about Lemmy and having these really cool discussions. I'm excited to, to listen to more episodes. Thanks for listening to this episode. Just as in every Lemmy training, we hope you walk away uplifted and inspired, but also empowered to be a better mentor for your family and your community. Please be sure to subscribe and share. We also want to express our gratitude to all the Lemmy mentors, past and present. You got this. You can do hard things.